0: Today is November 25th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Welcome in and welcome back. Whether this is your first time dropping by or you have been here the entire year, I am just so grateful for and blessed by your presence in this moment. Now let's talk about what we have coming up. We are starting a new book in the Old Testament today, the book of Daniel and this is a book of history and prophecy of stories and visions of dreams and interpretations and it's particularly relevant for us today because through these narratives we're going to see how we are supposed to live faithfully and courageously in a culture that often contradicts challenges and opposes our christian beliefs The book of Daniel is eponymous, meaning it is named after its main character and author, and Daniel's name means God is my judge. Daniel is a young Jewish man who was taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar in 605 BC alongside other nobles from Judah. Now He gets trained in Babylonian culture and ends up making his way to the king's court as a wise man and dream interpreter, not unlike our friend Joseph from Genesis. Despite the pressures to compromise to Babylonian culture, to the Babylonian way of life and worship, Daniel is like, no, like, I am not turning my back on my God. I don't care what y'all say, threaten me, whatever. I'm not doing it. He remains steadfast in his faith, and he becomes known as a man of prayer, wisdom, integrity, and he becomes known for his prophetic abilities. He was a man who knew his God and was heavy on making his God known to man. The book of Daniel is one of the major prophets alongside Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. It's divided into two parts. The first six chapters consist of historical narratives that retell the trials that are faced by Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The last six chapters contain apocalyptic visions that use symbolic language to reveal God's hidden plan for history and the future, which is why this book also belongs to the genre of apocalyptic literature. Now this book isn't just a collection of stories that make good Sunday school material, although many of us are probably familiar with the stories that we're gonna read, especially if we grew up in a church where we went to Sunday school. It is a source of hope and encouragement. It reminds us that God isn't just watching the world go by, letting everybody do what they want. He does have a plan. It reminds us that God is always on our side and he can help us out of any problem, out of any situation. He can change any circumstance or he will get in the circumstance with us. It underscores the fact that our trust and our faith should always lie in God and God alone, and it pushes us to make courageous and appropriate decisions even when the odds are stacked against us. Throughout Daniel, there are powerful symbols and motifs that emphasize God's sovereignty, The faithfulness of his people and the ultimate victory of his kingdom, from the fiery furnace and the fourth person present, to the lion's den and the angel, and the mysterious handwriting on the wall. Each narrative has profound meaning. As we progress, we'll explore how these stories connect to our lives today. Let's get going, growing, and flowing in these verses. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 23. The Living Bible Three years after King Jehoiakim began to rule in Judah, Babylon's king Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem with his armies, and the Lord gave him victory over Jehoiakim. When he returned to Babylon, he took along some of the sacred cups from the temple of God and placed them in the treasury of his God in the land of Shinar. Then he ordered Ashpenaz, was in charge of his palace personnel to select some of the jewish youths brought back as captives young men of the royal family and nobility of judah and to teach them the chaldean language and literature pick strong healthy good-looking lads he said those who have read widely in many fields are well informed alert and sensible and have enough poise to look good around the palace The king assigned them the best of food and wine from his own kitchen during their three-year training period, planning to make them his counselors when they graduated. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. However, their superintendent gave them Babylonian names as follows. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind not to eat the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked, the superintendent for permission to eat other things instead. Now as it happened, God had given the superintendent a special appreciation for Daniel and sympathy for his predicament, but he was alarmed by Daniel's suggestion. "'I'm afraid you will become pale and thin compared with the other youths your age,' he said, and then the king will behead me for neglecting my responsibilities. Daniel talked it over with the steward who was appointed by the superintendent to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and suggested a 10-day diet of only vegetables and water. Then, at the end of this trial period, the steward could see how they looked in comparison with the other fellows who ate the king's rich food and decide whether or not to let them continue their diet the steward finally agreed to the test. Well, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the youths who had been eating the food supplied by the king. So after that, the steward fed them only vegetables and water without the rich foods and wines. God gave these four youths great ability to learn and they soon mastered all the literature and science of the time, and God gave to Daniel special ability in understanding the meanings of dreams and visions. When the three-year training period was completed, the superintendent brought all the young men to the king for oral exams, as he had been ordered to do. King Nebuchadnezzar had long talks with each of them and none of them impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they were put on his regular staff of advisors and in all matters requiring information and balanced judgment the king found these young men's advice 10 times better than that of all the skilled magicians and wise astrologers in his realm daniel held this appointment as the king's counselor until the first year of the reign of king cyrus one night in the second year of his reign nebuchadnezzar had a terrifying nightmare and awoke trembling with fear and to make matters worse, he couldn't remember his dream. He immediately called in all his magicians, incantationists, sorcerers, and astrologers, and demanded that they tell him what his dream had been. I've had a terrible nightmare, he said as they stood before him, and I can't remember what it was. Tell me, for I fear some tragedy awaits me. Then the astrologers, speaking in Aramaic, said to the king, Sir, Tell us the dream and then we can tell you what it means. But the king replied, I tell you the dream is gone. I can't remember it. And if you won't tell me what it was and what it means, I'll have you torn limb from limb and your houses made into heaps of rubble. But I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors if you tell me what the dream was and what it means. So begin. They said again, how can we tell you what the dream means unless you tell us what it was? The king retorted, "'I can see your trick. You're trying to stall for time until the calamity befalls me that the dream foretells. But if you don't tell me the dream, you certainly can't expect me to believe your interpretation.' The astrologers replied to the king, "'There isn't a man alive who can tell others what they have dreamed, and there isn't a king in all the world who would ask such a thing. This is an impossible thing the king requires. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they are not here to help.' Upon hearing this, the king was furious and sent out orders to execute all the wise men of Babylon, and Daniel and his companions were rounded up with the others to be killed. But when Ariok, the chief executioner, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with great wisdom by asking, Why is the king so angry? What is the matter? Then Ariok told him all that had happened, so Daniel went in to see the king. Give me a little time, he said, and I will tell you the dream and what it means. Then he went home and told Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. They asked the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not die with the others. And that night, in a vision, God told Daniel what the king had dreamed. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven, saying, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for he alone has all wisdom and all power. World events are under his control. He removes kings and sets others on their thrones. He gives wise men their wisdom and scholars their intelligence. He reveals profound mysteries beyond man's understanding. He knows all hidden things, for he is light and darkness is no obstacle to him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers, for you have given me wisdom and glowing health, and now even this vision of the king's dream and the understanding of what it means. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 through chapter 4 verse 6. And now this word to all of you, you should be like one big happy family full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't snap back at those who say unkind things about you. Instead, pray for God's help for them, for we are to be kind to others and God will bless us for it. If you want a happy, good life, keep control of your tongue and guard your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Try to live in peace even if you must run after it to catch and hold it. For the Lord is watching His children, listening to their prayers, but the Lord's face is hard against those who do evil. Usually, no one will hurt you for wanting to do good, but even if they should, you are to be envied for God will reward you for it. Quietly trust yourself to Christ, your Lord, and if anybody asks, why you believe as you do, be ready to tell him and do it in a gentle and respectful way do what is right. Then if men speak against you, calling you evil names, they will become ashamed of themselves for falsely accusing you when you have only done what is good. Remember, if God wants you to suffer, it is better to suffer for doing good than for doing wrong. Christ also suffered. He died once for the sins of all us guilty sinners, although he himself was innocent of any sin at any time, that he might bring us safely home to God. But though his body died, his spirit lived on, and it was in the spirit that he visited the spirits in prison and preached to them, spirits of those who long before in the days of Noah had refused to listen to God, though he waited patiently for them while Noah was building the ark. Yet only eight persons were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. That, by the way, is what baptism pictures for us. In baptism, we show that we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ, not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, but because in being baptized we are turning to God and asking Him to cleanse our hearts from sin. And now, Christ is in heaven, sitting in the place of honor next to God the Father, with all the angels and powers of heaven bowing before Him and obeying Him. Since Christ suffered and underwent pain, you must have the same attitude He did. You must be ready to suffer too. For remember, when your body suffers, sin loses its power, and you won't be spending the rest of your life chasing after evil desires, but will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things the godless enjoy. Sex, sin, lust, getting drunk, wild parties, drinking bottle, and the worship of idols and other terrible sins. Of course, your former friends will be very surprised when you don't eagerly join them anymore in the wicked things they do. And they will laugh at you in contempt and scorn. But just remember that they must face the judge of all living and dead. They will be punished for the way they have lived. That is why the good news was preached even to those who were dead, killed by the flood, so that although their bodies were punished with death, they could still live in their spirits as God lives. Psalm 119 verses 65 through 80. Lord, I am overflowing with your blessings, just as you promised. Now teach me good judgment as well as knowledge, for your laws are my guide. I used to wander off until you punished me. Now I closely follow all you say. You are good and do only good. Make me follow your lead. Proud men have made up lies about me, but the truth is that I obey your laws with all my heart. Their minds are dull and stupid, but I have sense enough to follow you. The punishment you gave me was the best thing that could have happened to me, for it taught me to pay attention to your laws. They are more valuable to me than millions in silver and gold. You made my body, Lord. Now give me sense to heed your laws. All those who fear and trust in you will welcome me because I too am trusting in your word. I know O oh Lord that your decisions are right and that your punishment was right and did me good. Now let your love and kindness comfort me just as you promised. Surround me with your tender mercies that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the proud be disgraced, for they have cut me down with all their lies. But I will concentrate my thoughts upon your laws. Let all others join me who trust and fear you, and we will discuss your laws. Help me to love your every wish, then I will never have to be ashamed of myself. Proverbs 28 14. Blessed is the man who reveres God, but the man who doesn't care is headed for serious trouble. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the wisdom we find in your word, Lord, we thank you for the gift, for the treasure, for the gem that it is. Lord, draw us close as we bring our cares, our concerns, our doubts, and our decisions before your throne of grace. Lord, we know that time spent in your word, time spent in your presence, time spent with you is going to nourish us spiritually and give us the sustenance, the fuel and focus that we need for the path ahead. Lord, we ask for your vision, for your discernment, for your favor. Lord, we ask for clarity, clarity in our thinking and clarity in our speech so that when we have the opportunity to speak life into situations around us, we know just what to say. Lord, we ask that you equip us with your words, with your knowledge to give us boldness, to share perspective that is grounded in your truth. Lord, we pray right now for renewed vigor to face life's challenges. Help us to cultivate good habits. Lord, help us to maintain the good habits that we built. And Lord, continue to strengthen our character. Teach us to never settle for less than what you want for us. Fill us with your abundant love and your grace and help us to share that with others. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, all the people of God sit together Amen. And our affirmation for today, I recognize the Lord's presence and power in my life, and I am filled with gratitude and awe. I recognize the Lord's presence and power in my life, and I am filled with gratitude and awe and our aphorism stare not too long into the darkness lest you forget the light that dwells within you that is all i have for you today thank you so much for being on this extraordinary expedition with me you belong here and we belong together on this journey i love you and if god says the same i'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you